uh, if I've got this right, the readings from Matthew 22, and it's 34 to 40. And it should, by magic, be in the correct translation, because uh, the Bible I always bring to church is the NLT. I just found it very easy to understand. Uh, it's the most important commandment. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and secondly, and a second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Morning, everybody. Morning. Right, now... Um, Kind of reminds us that what we're here for today um, is to be part of a group of people with whom we all have relationships and um, to be with a God with whom we have a relationship. And seeing Debbie and um, Ian brought into membership brings that into focus that our relationship really has now changed. They're now um, not just brothers and sisters in Christ, but members of the same church. And that really is what we're going to be talking about today, the whole issue of relationships. Now, um, whenever we have visiting preachers, I, it always strikes me as interesting the way they normally start off. And there's normally, not always the case, but there's normally a slightly nervous um, uh, few moments while they try and settle themselves down and very often they'll try and choose something and pick up something from the church either something from the past with relationships with uh, people within the church or sometimes they'll pick up perhaps that text or very often people pick up the uh, uh, plaque up there and comment on that just really to uh, settle themselves down and also to settle everybody in the congregation down as well and what they're basically saying is look I'm a bit nervous, but I've seen this, and I know it's important to you, so I'm going to talk about it, so as you realise that I'm kind of on your side, and all that kind of stuff. And that's what we do in our day-to-day lives. I mean, when we meet new people, we shake hands sometimes, we say hello, and we talk about the weather. Fantastic, let's talk about the weather. Or we talk about what their, oh, that's a nice suit, or that's this, that, and the other. But inconsequential stuff, so as we can kind of exchange stuff, and we can begin to sort of establish some kind of ground rules within the relationship. But I don't think we need any of that, because I've been a member for a little while now, and I feel as though I can be honest with you. Okay, so we're not going to do any of that. Um, we're just going to go straight in. Let me ask you, a show of hands. Um, uh, the answer is going to be nobody, I'm sure. This is what I've been thinking about all week. It's going to be absolutely nobody. But, show of hands. Um, does anybody ever get angry? <laughs> oh, right, okay. Oh, well, in that case, I'd better put my hand up as well then. <laughs> I, well, that didn't go quite as well as I thought it would. Okay. Um, okay, has anybody been angry in the last week? 
Oh, yeah, my hand's up as well. Fantastic. Great. Excellent. Good. Um, Anybody ever get angry with God? Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Anybody been angry with God in the last week? Yeah, a few of us. Yeah. Um, so how does, that, how does that fit with what we're going to be talking about this, this morning, that we should love our Lord, love our God with all our heart, all our souls, and all our minds? Does that, is that a problem, that we get angry with God? Some of us, not all of us. Is that a problem? Um, I don't know, really. Um, we'll perhaps explore that over the next few minutes. But let me tell you a couple of things that have happened to me this week, which are... Um, connected with my anger. There are three different examples of anger. Uh, the first one was that I was speaking to a, uh, a gentleman and his wife about an injury that he had. This was at work. And he, you don't need to know the details, but he'd, he'd done a real job on his leg. He really had done a real job on his leg. And uh, it meant that it was going to have a profound effect on him, his ability to earn, and his um, relationship with his wife. Um, Now, that was made doubly um, unpleasant for him by the fact that the way he did it was doing motorcycle racing, which had been a bone of contention in their relationship for the previous 15 years. So you can imagine wife not happy with him. Him not happy with him. But then bizarrely, both of them not happy with me. It's not my fault. I wasn't there. I didn't do it. I'm just trying to make it better. Really sorry. Um, but yeah, uh, and they were kind of shooting the messenger, um, which is sometimes, I think, what we, what we all do. Um, second example of anger this week for, for, for me really has been for, for somebody who is in this church, who will remain nameless, Debbie, for example, um, who uh, had a car crash this week. Not very nice, not very nice. And uh, not her fault, I hasten to add. And... Um, the, uh, thankfully nobody hurt, both the cars put to the side of the road. And the guy who kind of got, who was involved in the crash with Debbie, um, kind of got out and it was kind of all guns blazing. What are you doing? What are you doing? This is despite the fact that this idiot had been on the wrong side of the road. So he had done again what we all do, which is to come out all guns blazing, very, very angry, to cover the fact that he'd perhaps done something that he kind of knew he shouldn't have done, really. And that's interesting, because that isn't behaviour that we're kind of taught. It's behaviour that we develop over a period of time, and you, you kind of learn that in a proportion of cases, if, if you behave in that way, then you're going to get away with it. So people do it more and more. So it reinforces that the, the consequences of that anger are to cover a lie, and in our society, sometimes people get away with that. Final example of how I've, I've been angry personally this week, um, and I have to be honest about this, is with the situation with Fiona. And um, I really struggle with that. Um, why? Wonderful, beautiful, rich person in her 30s, on fire with the Lord, for the Lord, working so hard for the Lord. Here, 
far more often than I am. When I'm supposed to be here, she's there picking up the pieces because I've forgotten or because I'm doing something else. And not just me, with other people as well. And she has a stroke. And not just having a stroke, but on the floor for 48 hours, whatever it was, in that upsetting, lonely, goodness knows how um, horrible that must have been. And now, of course, with an uncertain future and an uncertain recovery. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm angry about that, and I make no apologies for that. I think it's horrible, and if I could have stopped that happening, I would have done. But going back to the first example where the uh, man was uh, hurt his knee, um, the kind of the, the ethos there, really, and the, the, the resolution there in that, in that is that, well, okay, I'm angry, but, well, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. Which really was the way that they resolved the situation. That's the way it is. Well, we can't help it. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. Can't help it. But I think as Christians, this last one with Fiona, I think that's perhaps more of a challenge to us because we know that actually that isn't the way it is. And as Christians, we believe that there is a higher power that can affect and influence and control those sort of situations. So, um, before we get too uh, caught up in that, is is anger a sin? Um, Well, I'll just find something for you. If we look at Psalm 4, which is a psalm of David. um, Verse 4, Psalm 4, verse 4. David says, In your anger, do not sin. When you're on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. So in your anger, do not sin. So that implies that anger and sin are separate things. And perhaps it's the consequences of anger which may occasionally lead to sin, which are the things that we need to be concerned about and focusing on in our day-to-day lives. But is there, is there anger elsewhere in the Bible? Um, oh, yeah. Um, if we think of Jonah, after he uh, um, had gone through all he'd done, running away from God, hiding from God, being eaten by the fish, being spewed out, preached at uh, Nineveh. Um, he got to the end of all of that, and then God saved the people of Nineveh, Nineveh anyway. Jonah said, I knew you'd do this, I... Blooming well knew you did this, and we heard this in our, our uh, sermons a few weeks back with uh, the series that we did with um, uh, Richard. Jonah was angry. He was angry, and I'd have been angry. We'd all, we're all angry. We're all capable of anger. At least most of us are, anyway, it seems, from our show of hands. And uh, I'm sure we would have behaved in the same way. Um, other examples as well, of course, with Elisha after uh, the... Uh, um, burning of the altars on Mount Carmel rather than being, oh fantastic Lord we've, it's gone really well, fantastic that's brilliant, oh no, no we've done all of this, but despite all of this they all still want to kill me Lord and, so he was angry as well other characters as well well, this is perhaps a bit fictitious but uh, it's just something I've, I've thought about I mean, can you imagine what would have happened in the in the Noah household 
when Noah comes home and says, right, love, well, I'm really sorry. In the next couple of years, we need to build a massive boat. What? What? Probably the kids. We've got to deal with the kids and everything. What? How? What animals in the boat as well? I mean, can you imagine what the conversation that went on there? What about God? Does God get angry? Well, yeah. Um, it's almost come into common parlance and common language. We talk of the wrath of God. Um, this is something that's almost become a lay um, thing, even for those people who don't have faith. We recognize that there's such a thing as the wrath of God. But what about Christ um, himself? Did he get angry? Oh, a few nodded heads. Yeah, did. Absolutely. Yeah. The examples that we all know, I'm sure, um, Mark 11, verse 12, when he was in the temple, uh, driving out the moneylenders, whipping the cords. Get out. I can't imagine that was done in anything other than an emotional manner. And we know that Christ was fully human and fully divine. We know that he would have had the experience of a full range of human emotions. So that shouldn't surprise us. Another example, the man with the withered arm, when Christ healed the man with the withered arm. He got angry at the onlookers who weren't helping the man. He actually actually uses the word anger in the NIV. And then, of course, finally, some people have argued that there was anger in his last words. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabbathani. Um, Lord, my Lord, my Lord, why have you forsaken me? So anger is certainly apparent in the Bible, but is it, is, it, is it required? Is it required? Well, those of you who are studies of psychology, will, students of psychology, will be aware of something called the Yerkes-Dodson Anxiety Performance Curve, which is one of my favorite things. Um, I know, I should get out more. I know, I should, I know. Um, and that really refers to the state whereby uh, a heightened emotional state improves your performance. Such that uh, if you're an athlete, if you can get yourself up into an appropriate frame of mind. And you see athletes, before they're uh, doing any kind of event, they kind of some of them almost have a ritual to get themselves up into this kind of peak performance state. But beyond a certain certain level, your performance begins to fall off. Um, Hopefully, I'm just the right side of it at the moment. Um, But maybe not. Um, And we all know people who are um, volatile, who require that kind of emotional stimulus to get them to perform and to get them to perform in all areas, whether it's in their relationships or whether it's in physical acts of performance during their, their day, whether it's athletics or in their job or whatever. But we also know people who seem to, to require that less, and there are people who uh, perhaps are serene. These are words that are used to describe these people. Godly, in some people would describe them. So we're not all the same in that regard. But for some people, undoubtedly, an emotional element is important. Speaking of my own um, experience, I know that uh, in my marriage with Susanna, I mean, if I'm absolutely honest, the arguments are the best bits. Um, So we we, uh, that's kind of something that we both have and we both need, and it cements our relationship. Well, why should that be the case? Well, well, when we're angry, I mean, it's difficult to be angry and not be honest, don't you think? If you've really lost the plot, the lid's off, the worms are all over the place, they're wriggling around all over the place, 
You're absolutely incandescent with rage, Peter. You know about this. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry? Ros does, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's difficult to lie when you're in that sort of situation. You have to be honest. You have to really think at a very visceral level. You don't look, you don't hold back. There's none of this kind of game playing. There's none of this kind of um, polite, superficial veneer, if you like, that you get with perhaps the new relationships that we were talking about uh, a little while ago. And, of course, recognizing that honesty and recognizing the fact that that person's being absolutely naked before you, you begin to understand that person. The relationship begins to deepen. And you begin to recognize that they care. They care enough to get angry. And that very often can be a time for growth. It certainly can be for, in our relationship. And I think there's some evidence that that's the case in our relationship with God. That, yeah, we should love our God with all our heart, all our souls, all our minds. But does that mean we shouldn't get angry or we shouldn't be emotional or we shouldn't be committed to that or we shouldn't be passionate about that relationship? I don't think so. And I th- again, I think there's some evidence for that. If we look at uh, Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 13 verse 4, which is the one you've heard a million times before at numerous weddings. So, what's love? Well, heard it all before. Probably people in this room who could recite this. I couldn't, I have to be honest. Love's patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Hang on, what was that middle one again? It is not easily angered. It doesn't say that it's not angered. It's not easily angered. So this idea that a relationship with God and to be uh, loving the Lord our God with all, all our hearts, all our minds, all our souls has to be has to be a serene process. I would suggest is not always the case. Not for everybody. And you could argue as Perhaps I've suggested in my relationship with Susanna that if you really want the relationship to deepen, then these things that anger us, these things that we find difficult, these things that we find challenging, we need to be including in our relationship with God. We need to be handing them over to God and saying, yeah, I'm cheesed off about this, Lord. I'm not happy. And rather than seeking consequences of anger and channeling our anger in a negative way leading to sin, we need to be channeling our anger to God, laying our anger into and on God in order to deepen our relationship. I'm going to go all Robert Parkinson on you now. Um, There are two Greek words which are translated um, as uh, anger in the Bible, Uh, one of which is thumos and the other one is auger. And both of them are translated differently, um, translated to to different words for anger, depending on the context. One of which, thumos, is very much an outward explosion and is, is very often translated apparently as wrath. The sort of thing that's very visible and... 
kind of thing. The, the stuff that we all know about, Peter. Um, and uh, the other one is org, which is very much inward-looking and perhaps might be described as simmering resentment. And in our response to anger, I, w- I wonder, are we, uh, do we tend to, div- tend to respond much more to the thumos side of things, the kind of ah side of things, or do we g- do much more of the org side of things, the internal kind of things? I don't know. <laughs> 